Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Rochelle. This podcast started as a space to use my voice, to share my journey of healing, and it's turned into so much more. It's a space about all things emotional, because for me, learning to self-regulate and accept what I was feeling was game-changing. Together, we learn the tools to self-regulate. We talk spirituality, holistic healing, and modalities such as human design and astrology to help you radically trust, love, and accept yourself. I have some amazing guests on here that share their story and share their tools. And this is really just a space to support you in healing mind, body, and soul. So I thank you so much for tuning in and putting yourself first. I appreciate every single one of you. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This episode with Rhiannon Hines was beautiful. I say that about every single episode, but I truly, truly feel so deeply within each and every interview and conversation I have on the podcast, just the deep beauty that is these conversations and the energy that I get to exchange with these beautiful souls. And it is the reason why I continue to show up and do this, right? For these conversations and to share it with you all and um, just to, to to spread these messages and hold space for people who have something to say, right? For the healers of the world, for um, you know people who are trying to change things. And um, yeah, so this episode is, is such a good one all about, you know, connecting with yourself with intuition, knowing your intuitive side. Um, and Rhiannon is an Australian healer, intuitive channel, energy worker, and an author. She's also the mother of two beautiful girls, and every day she works to inspire them and lead them by her example. She was trained as a body worker and yoga teacher and used to run her own incredibly successful yoga studio in Australia. Her life's work is dedicated to initiating powerful heart-centered healers and leaders into their fullest and most realized expression of their service. She teaches a series of online programs to students internationally, encouraging people to deeply heal and align with their intuition in order to live a more fulfilling and beautiful life. In October, so in a few days, um, October 1st, she's releasing her new book, The Keepers of the Light Codes, which we get into in this conversation. And this book is a powerful text to assist humanity during these times of great change. The book shows its awakened readers how to finally put an end to seemingly never-ending journey of spiritual growth and personal development and how to live a divinely supported and inspired life. And we really dive into the book, what it means, how she channeled it, how she wrote it, and we get into such a good conversation. We talk about like so how so many of the healers of the world, this is my interpretation, right? I think so many of the healers of the world have gone through the chaos of human addiction and human pain and suffering, right? And it is through these experiences that they have learned to heal themselves, heal their suffering and their mind and their physical addictions and their in so much of this, right? They get to they get to remember and come back to their soul and sometimes it takes these experiences to really get you there. And you know, Renan and I talk in this episode about how, you know, in our early 20s, we basically used, you know, drugs and alcohol sort of to find connection with others. And because it is so deeply a part of human nature to crave connection, to seek connection, to be in relationship with others. And of course, like divine timing, always this these conversations, but, you know, with Libra season is so much about relationships. And that's a lot of what's coming up right now with everything that's going on with the transits in the stars and Mercury retrograde, um, you know, and I think within, 
I get asked, you know, why, why the emotional mastery podcast, right? Like, why do I focus on this or how, what brought me to human design and astrology? And for me, it was so much of getting lost in the chaos of my emotions, not having the tools to self-regulate and just swimming in that darkness and in that chaos and then learning the tools, right? Learning to come back to myself, learning that sometimes what we feel isn't ours, right? Even if you have a defined emotional authority in, in human design, sometimes what we feel is the collective. It is from somebody else. And I know like when I get really, really deep in my low, it feels chaotic, right? It feels like I'm never going to pull myself out. There have been so many times. And that's when we turn, you know, to things like alcohol to, to numb it out or TV or social media or sex or whatever it is that you use to numb because it's often feels easier to numb it out and to not feel it, but it doesn't really ever go away, right? And that's when we become sick over time. And so it's really important to find a tool to really regulate and manage your emotions. And I wanted to read something because I was reading conversations with God. And, you know, sometimes I think we, we have deep connections with souls throughout our life, whether they become something big or not. And I think often a question we sometimes ask, especially when we connect with somebody who doesn't feel the same way. And I think sometimes the question we ask is like, why, right? Why do I feel this way? Do, why do I feel this connection, but it's not felt on the other side? And it can be so confusing. And I have a few different theories of what I feel is, is the response. I think there are many different timelines, right? I think every thought you have is a possibility. There are so many layers of reality and it's all happening now, right? The past, the present, the future, it's all happening now, which is why it's so important to bring ourselves into the now moment, into this moment. And I was reading the book Conversations with God and God was asked this question, right? Like, why is it that some people feel more for others? Um, and the response was that, you know, yes, everything is happening now, but sometimes the person that you have feelings for that doesn't reciprocate those feelings doesn't remember. And because it happened in their future, yes, it's all happening now. So on some timeline it's happened, but because it is I'm air quoting in their future and they don't remember it, they're living now in a time when in this linear definition of time, right? hasn't happened for them yet. But because they're not connected or they don't remember who they are, their possibilities, maybe they don't listen to their intuition um, or because of trauma, right? They they numb out or they're, they're just not connected in that way. They don't realize that yet or they don't feel it yet. And one way that I've discovered is really, really helpful for me in regulating my emotions is writing. I have always loved to write. I've always loved to read. I've never thought I was like very good at it. But sometimes when I'm like in these deep, deeply emotional spaces is when it's really powerful. And I wrote a poem a while ago when I was going through this chaos. And it was just something that kind of really helped me through it. And I'm going to read it to you. And in just to show you how we can use creativity and we can use these forms of expression to self-regulate ourselves. But the poem says, I squirm under the glimpse of your eyes. I can't sit still. I can't relax. I can't be me. You look away and I beg for your eyes to return to me. 
Your gaze ignited a fire in my soul, but you don't see me. Your, your soul knows me well, but you've forgotten. It's like an addiction I can't and don't want to break. The way I feel under your gaze is beautiful and uncomfortable, and I can't get used to it. Don't want to let it go, but you don't see me. And so I look down, tears in my eyes, and begin to walk away. You reach out for me, but you still don't see me. So with tears welling, pain in my heart, aching in my soul, I wanted to be consumed by you. But instead, I walk away and don't look back. Two souls dancing in eternity, but unfamiliar in this life. One day we'll meet and you'll remember who you are, and that we are two souls dancing to our own music, lighting a fire around us. But for now, I will dance my own dance to my own music and wait for the day you hear it. And again, I was just in a really deeply emotional state, and that came out of me long before I read the thing with um, conversations with God. But but reading that in the book kind of reminded me of this poem, you know, of just not remembering, not remembering souls, not remembering um, that connection. But you know, we can't connect, we can't experience fully experience ourselves without the duality, without the highs and without the lows. And, you know, like Abraham Hicks calls it the contrast. If we don't have the contrast of what we don't want, right? We don't have the contrast of what we do want. And whatever your beliefs are when it comes to God, um, God is experiencing himself, herself, source, spirit, whatever terminology you you want to use for for it. Um, But it's being experienced through us, right? can't experience yourself in yourself, right? You can't experience the joy without the sadness. You can't experience, you know, the love without the fear. Um, Having grace for it all and having acceptance for it all and understanding that, yeah, sometimes we're just feeling, right? We're just feeling. And it's just a really powerful realization, I guess. And, you know, even like today I was feeling really sad, um, for reasons and just knowing that, that I can go sit in the bathroom, put my hand over my heart and just identify what I'm feeling. Like I am sad. This hurts. I'm in pain today. And knowing that I am not those things, right? Having that awareness. And especially cause I think sometimes for me, um, when it comes to relationships, regardless of what, you know, romantic friendship, you know, using attachment theory, I am getting certified um, integrated attachment theory right now because I'm so obsessed with it. It has been, it has been one of the tools that has completely changed my relationship with myself. And it's only been since this year. I really got into attachment theory. I think it was in February. So since February to now, it has really, really transformed a lot for me. And so I decided to take the leap to get certified in it because it was something I'm so passionate about. And human design will always be the very first tool that helped me come back to me. But attachment theory has been something that has helped me really see my patterns and really understand my patterns. And sometimes we can see our patterns and understand our patterns and literally watch ourselves go into the cycle of the same pattern over and over again with awareness, right? And so then it because we really have to work to reprogram those. Like our mind is keeping us safe and it feels like it's keeping us safe by doing the same thing because that's what we were learned would bring us love or would bring us safety when we were younger. And especially when you are used to chaos, right? If you are used to a dysregulated emotional nervous system, you know, in relationships, we are going to continue to repeat that pattern because it's, it doesn't feel good, but it feels safe. It's what we know. 
And so like rewatching that, I'm um, kind of going through that experience and doing it with awareness, right, is really powerful. But um, I am going to not take up too much more time in this intro and really get into the episode because it was really good. I do want to remind you that the self, the seven-week small group container is starting October seven, uh, October 15th. Um, enrollment closes October 5th. If you are interested, we are going to be doing intention settings, goal settings, reprogramming thoughts, belief patterns through integrated attachment theory. Um, we're going to get into human design, astrology, shadow work, inner child work. We're going to have week four is a um, integration week and the Q&A. Every single week is going to have a video dropped in the um, school Thinkific, and then a live call. You have lifetime access to the videos. So that's going to be the video and the live call is going to be recorded and uploaded in there. And of course, anything else that's in there, lifetime access, you will be placed in a community space and any future students that come in or any future, any future people that join the program are also going to be put into this community space. So you will have like lifetime support through this. So I am so excited. I'm so excited. I have just been feeling really called to a group container. And so I'm really excited to be entering into this one October. So if you're interested, the information is down below. You can reach out to me through my email, Rochelle at RochelleChristian.com on Instagram at Rochelle.Christian. And that is R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E dot C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-E. And then TikTok is Rochelle.Christian and website is RochelleChristian.com. I hope you love this episode. If it resonates, share with a friend, rate, review, subscribe, all the things. It truly helps the podcast um, and really just gets us to more ears because I, like I said in the beginning, I'm so passionate about sharing and holding space for these beautiful, amazing people that come on the podcast just to share their stories and um, yeah, just hold space for the healers of the world because it is much needed. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, until next week. Okay. Well, welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. Today, I have Rhiannon Hines, who is an Australian healer, intuitive channel, energy worker, and author. So we're going to dig into all of that in this episode. But I want to start with just letting you share your story as much as or as much or as little as you would like about you know childhood, anything pivotal along the way that kind of got you where you are now doing what you're doing. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, yeah, so... I suppose I never, as a, as a teenager and in my early 20s, I never felt like I was intuitive. I never felt like I was anything that I am now. But I always had a desire for magic. I always longed to be in the magical realms. And now that I think back to before I was a before I was ever a teenager, maybe when I was like 10, I used to have these really intense out-of-body experiences. And um for about maybe 60 seconds, I would just be like thrown out of my body and I would be like, who am I? Like, who is Rhiannon? <laughs> what is this house? And then I would try and explain it to like my mom and my dad. And they'll be like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it didn't really make sense to them. And now I can see like looking back, I always, I always associated with like my soul aspect, my higher aspect. And I always found my human reality like really temporary and transient and that has made more sense as I as I've got older. But um yeah, there was definitely a period there where I forgot very deeply who I was <laughs> mm. from my teenage years into my early twenties, definitely. And um 
I was deeply, deeply sad at one point when I was probably about 22. I had a, an office job that made me feel so shit, if I'm allowed to say that, mm-hmm. so shit, so depressed. Um, I just felt like I wasn't worthy of anything more. I didn't deserve happiness, you know. And I had a relationship that brought me joy in that he was my friend and we got along, but it didn't feel expansive. It didn't feel alive. I had a mortgage and I was ticking all the boxes. Like I've always been a high achiever and I've always wanted to do the right thing, like, you know, fit the good girl mold. And I was really doing it. And I just felt like I wanted to die. Like I just felt like I wanted to escape. And in that life, I I started to rebel. I started to really rebel. Like, so my partner then, he was very clean cut, like a real good boy. He's a policeman now. He's a lovely guy. But I just wanted to rebel so deeply. And um, I wanted to find magic. I wanted to find magic in my life. And I didn't know how to find that in a healthy way then. So I started to rebel through like really extreme partying when I was in my early 20s. I just wanted to, to be in the other worlds. I wanted to lose myself in different experiences and different energies. And um, I just really wanted to pull away from that relationship and pull away from that life to feel freedom. (laughs) I wanted to feel freedom. And alongside that, I started to dabble with things like yoga and things like meditation. And I started to realize that the freedom that I was craving in the partying, I was starting to figure out how to find that in yoga. I was starting to figure out how to find that in meditation. And I was starting to remember those experiences that I had when I was a child where it's like, ah, I actually don't think this life is all that I am. I don't think this body or this name is all that I am. And then that partying, the extreme phase of escapism, it was very pretty short-lived, luckily, because I don't think it could have sustained. And, um, yeah, and I started to really dive into these practices, like meditation, yoga, and I also started to really dive into my practice with um. I like oracle cards and tarot cards. And I started to realize I could listen. I could, the more quiet I was in meditation, the more I could hear these voices, the more I could. And it's just the voice of my higher mind, nothing, nothing too out there. We all have it. But um, yeah, over over time, my life started to change. I left that relationship. I, I, I moved away from that job and I started to step into the fear of the unknown started to allow my heart to lead and I started to just expand and grow and lean into trust and make decisions that made me uncomfortable and it was leaving that relationship and taking a job that I felt really unworthy of of at the time which was to be um, a remedial massage lecturer and leaving that relationship something happened in that exact year where I just changed forever it was like I jumped off a cliff because the cliff was horrible (laughs) I jumped off the cliff because I just couldn't be there any longer and something caught me (laughs) and took me to the most beautiful mountain (laughs) that was like my life as it kept evolving and um yeah so so that was my my background I suppose was learning to channel learning to use cards alongside my my work which was in teaching body work and then that all merged together and, and um, evolved over the years to be in my energy work, to be the way I, yeah, the way I do energy work now with channeling and everything all in once and now teaching that. Yeah, so it's been a long time coming. And so 10 years on from that super sad girl, I can say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I definitely don't feel like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I know I think too, or I hear stories like yours, especially um, having those experiences in childhood. And I, it, and like you describe like that time frame where you kind of like forgot, right? And so, because I always wonder, I'm like, did I ever have any sort of out of body experiences or things that I just were convinced that weren't what they were, you know, by our well intentioned parents? And it's just really interesting. And I think it's just so beautiful to have had those experiences very young. I think it's something I've always, as I'm like navigating, being intuitive and, you know, quieting the mind, which I feel like is, is my big like focal point right now, but just kind of like looking back to those, those, those phases or hearing those stories, it's just very inspiring. And it's very, um, yeah, I think just you saying like, it was, there was a time frame where it was like almost forgotten, you know, and like kind of going into yeah. the depths of those, you know, you talk about like partying, what was it you were seeking the freedom? Did, were you finding it in those moments in some way? I mean, and I, I believe yeah. everything happens for a reason, right? Like that led you to this experience, that experience to another, but yeah. yeah. What was it like specifically that you found or you learned through that time? Yeah. I love that. I love that question because it's really easy to paint those experiences as bad, but looking back, I feel that they were necessary for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, uh, that, that experience of, of freedom and escapism through partying, something happened there where I was opened. Mm. And what I, what I had always struggled with in that period of my life was, was true connection. I felt very lonely, like I didn't have deep intimacy with my partner and I didn't have true intimacy with most of my friends. And as I explore with different substances, which I had never done before because I'd always been such a good girl, I felt my heart opening and I felt deep connection without words Mm. and without having to know someone. And I felt like a a meeting of the heart, you know, a meeting of the heart. And I started to really crave that connection. I started to like long for anything that wasn't superficial. And I think that's why so many people, um, that's what propels the addiction to partying in so many of us because it's like, well, how do I find that? How do I get that open again? How do I open to feel everyone like that? How can I get everyone to see me in the way that I felt seen last night? Mm. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was instrumental for me because that was the first time I felt that deep connection and um, that deep opening. And then as I progressed through my spiritual journey alongside that, I was recognizing it. I was recognizing the feeling and noticing I don't need to, I don't need to like really push the boundary with substances in order to find connection, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I had to do it that way in order to open. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. I think Not that I would encourage that for everyone's got a different path mm-hmm. to get there, but for mm-hmm. me, I needed it for sure. Yeah. And I think that's powerful. And exactly that, that description of partying and how it opened you up and how you felt that connection, because I think a lot of us do feel lost and and very disconnected with those around us, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. back on my twenties, my early twenties, my like partying days, and I have 
you know, as far as like astrology, my Chiron is your wounded healer, right? So I have a lot of wounding in groups, in community. And so like, just as you were describing that, I like got chills because that was exactly why I felt like I was partying and doing the drugs too, because yes, it was allowing that connection without the overthinking, right? Without like the yeah. the hesitations or, and it just made me, even though in hindsight, was I really seen? Probably not, but it made me feel like I was part of something, right? Whether it was- yeah of value or if it was real or, you know, like you said, the next day, it's like you wake up and you're just like, Oh, who are those people again? Like whatever. But in the moment, right. It is, you are, you are kind of getting what you're seeking. It's not like long, long term, but I, I like the way that you, you describe that. And, and yeah, and I think everybody has their process. Everybody has their experiences. So whether that was part of anyone's or not, like I do, there is, I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. I truly believe that. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think, and I think if we're on, if, if at the same time as like diving into those more unhealthy, unhealthy ways to explore connection, if I think if at the same time, we're lucky enough to be exploring like true deep community and connection through other ways, then Mm -hmm. it's going to be short lived, Mm -hmm. but it's like, when that's all we've got, then that's when it fuels some sort of addiction and maybe becomes a little bit (laughs) unhealthy for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when you, like you described, you kind of like jumped off this cliff, right? Into this new life. And how do you like, as a channeler, as somebody who is intuitive, how do you discern between your mind and source? Right. Because I think a lot of times it can get um, you know, like the ego tells us stories and, it, and, and I know like source is love. It's not fear-based. It's not anxiety-based, but I think sometimes we can get confused, right? Between what's ours and what's not. Yeah, definitely. So I think the more chatter that there is in our lives, the harder it is to dis- discern between those two. So when I say chatter, I mean like the mind. Mm-hmm. And as you said, that you were I'm not sure if that was before the chat or during you said that you're focusing on um on mastering your mind like really mm-hmm. intensely right now and I think my mastery is is number 1 because the more we're thinking and just perpetually running stories unconsciously the more difficult it is to hear when like a higher thought a higher moment of inspiration is dropping in and then the other chatter that runs parallel to that is the external chatter and the biggest one in most of us is the constant intake of information from our mobile phones Mm. just like constantly scrolling constantly looking constantly absorbing all these ideas and they're not ours and they're not source you know and it's very hard to discern them when you're you're taking in so much so I mean if you if you've never been able to discern between the two between the two before I would say the, the best thing to do is to limit both of those types of chatter as much as you can so that you can reacquaint yourself to the subtlety of your deep knowing. So I'm not saying to do anything too extreme, but just like when you're driving your car, rather than just running stories as you drive and just completely zoning out, it's like, can you be present to observe the clouds, to observe the trees as you drive past and to feel your breath? And the more you practice things like that, the more quietness there is internally. And then when an idea comes in, you're going to get a feeling with the idea, right? So the idea comes in. And so for me, like 21 or 22 year old me, like, as I started to meditate and quiet myself a little more, the idea could come in 
of me free, of me like in Europe traveling by myself. And I just like get this vision of me doing that and my body, like there's an electricity, there's a feeling like um, it energizes you. It's like a little rush, a, a goosebumps. And it's like that confirmation of like, yes. Mm. And it's it's a, an inspired thought, an inspired idea that comes with a, a surge of energy that makes you feel alive or excited. And it could make you feel scared. It probably will make you feel scared. But if that comes with excitement as well, then that's the fear that is necessary to propel you forward into a more divine life. Mm. And so then how do you like in those moments as you're practicing that this, like you have the inspired idea, you, your full body, yes, you, but you have that little bit of fear and then kicks in the mind, right? Like it's so easy to allow that to just kind of like then become so loud again. Right. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, when you were practicing this, I would imagine it wasn't like an overnight thing that it, that it no. was just like, you know, you were able to silence it and like move on. Right. It, it is like of a practice. Course. It is intentional. And so is there anything specific that you would do in those moments to just kind of like keep coming back to that initial inspired thought? Yeah. So something I always talk about in my trainings is it's like, we all have these desires, these visions, and they're divinely inspired and we can we know where we want to be if you're if you're connected to your truth on some level we we can see ourselves there living this life and it's so glorious doing this a certain um, line of work or living somewhere and and you most people can see it like most of your listeners they know what that vision is or are definitely aspects of that vision mm-hmm. but in order to get there yes it's going to be scary and they're going to be challenged because the person that you need to be to fulfill that vision is you who has moved through so much of your limiting ideas, limiting beliefs. So every step along the way is going to challenge you, initiate you and, and progress you. Right. So if you get step one, you're only going to get one step at a time, but you get given a step, an idea, it electrifies your body. And then as you say, it's like, Oh, I can't do that. What if blah, blah, blah. What if blah, blah, blah. So first of all, did the idea excite you so deeply that your body responded, as you say, a full body yes, or that, you know, you just smiled or you thought, oh, my gosh, one day I have to do that, you know. If it did, then just stay with it, hold it, and then ask yourself, okay, so this fear that's kicked in, what is the worst that could possibly happen? What is the absolute worst-case scenario? So. The worst, worst, worst case scenario. So say like you want to quit your job and you want to pursue this this vision, this business vision or something. That's like a big one and the fear is probably going to be money, scarcity. What if I fail? Right, so what is your worst case scenario? Me and my husband were in this really recently and our, our, our worst case scenario is that we had nothing. We bought with our, with our money a, a caravan and we put it on a piece of land and we just grew vegetables and we ate those vegetables and we just with our two kids that's what we did that was our worst case scenario it's like how would that feel I'd be okay with that it wouldn't be the best but I could find peace there so if that's my worst case scenario and I found peace with that then why the hell wouldn't I just go for it mm. and it's like when people are so petrified of worst case scenario they just sit stationary not moving but like the worst case scenario is usually having nothing 
like having no physical possessions and being alone. <laughs> so then, so then worst case scenario is usually just finding peace with you in your absolute truth and your nothingness and your everythingness, your infiniteness. If you can find peace with that, then you will always choose to live fearlessly following that vision because your worst case scenario is just going to be you being, mm. you know, and most people haven't found that that peace with themselves deeply enough to find peace with that worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. They're, they're too attached to outcomes, to things, to people and to places to allow themselves to melt into worst case scenario. And that's the fear that keeps them stationary. So how do you let go of that attachment? Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like meditation it's deeper than meditation. It's a, it's a, um, pra- you know, it's a practice. It's an energy work session on yourself, right? Take yourself into your worst case scenario. Close your eyes. So I'll use my example again. Close your eyes. I'm sitting on the, I'm sitting on the step of the caravan. You know, I've got a few pieces of clothes in my caravan. The kids are playing outside on the grass and breathing to my heart. And I feel the sun on my heart, the sun on my cheeks. And then I get that little downpour, that little shimmer of energy that tells me I'm safe, that I'm always going to be safe. I'm always going to be taken care of. There's nothing to worry about. There's never anything to worry about. The vision that excites you, that electrifies you, it's not your vision. It's God's vision. It's the divine vision. It's been gifted to you. It's been seeded, seeded into your mind. Why would you be misled? You can't be misled. You're being guided. And if it's the vision that excites you and lights you up the most and makes you feel so full of love, go for it and you will always be taken care of. You might not like, you might not like how it looks, but you'll always be taken care of. So the more you can come into those quiet practices of meditation, take yourself into a field naked, That's all you have. That's all you are. You're in a field naked. You feel the earth beneath you, feel the sun above you, feel the trees around you. How lucky are you? How much have you got? How deeply are you provided for? And trust. Say the mantra, I trust, I trust. Keep me on my highest path, I trust. It's these practices of non-attachment, being okay in the absolute nothingness, that bring more abundance and more reward than you can ever imagine because they're the practices that bring so much trust into your being that you're fearless in making decisions that excite you. So, yeah, it's in, that pra- it's in those practices, meditation, stillness, simplicity. Take yourself into the most simple landscape you can ever imagine. And just get super, super at peace with it, grateful for it. And you're rewiring your body then back to safety in the nothingness. Your body right now is programmed to believe that in order to be safe, you need so much stuff. (laughs) And you can rewire that just in the mind, in a quiet moment with your eyes closed. I love that. I feel like you've just like brought me through meditation. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like, you know, you talk about limiting beliefs and, and that's, I mean, so, so much of, so much of our work, right. is just kind of like mm-hmm. these deeply ingrained, painful beliefs from childhood, from past relationships. And, you know, I think awareness is so important. I, I personally, I, my, a lot of my trauma comes from relationships. And so, you know, as I navigate like dating or new experiences and finding something healthy, I find myself in these, these things that become mental, right. Of just like that fear of being rejected, being abandoned, of not being enough, of not being worthy. And as you explain, like, this is what I try. And when I come home at the end of the day, you know, regardless of what, where my emotions have been, I just try and sit with myself and remind myself I'm safe and nobody outside of myself is going to fix the pain right? Like it's not going to be on anybody else. Yes. I can have support within that, right. Have somebody that's there to like help me, but it's not, they're not going to do it. Right. And so I just like that reminding myself, I am safe. I am guided. I am protected. I'm healthy. I'm healing. Like all these things. I will just sometimes just sit and just repeat it over and over mm. until I feel that kind of that being held again. Right. And then, yeah. you know, the next morning I try and do a short meditation before I got to bed. Sometimes I might be launched back into the emotions the next day, but then I come back to myself every day, you know, and it just, yes. sometimes it feels like it's like that uphill, like when does it end? Right. But it's just, I don't know, just coming back to that every, every day just reminds me, you know, this too shall pass because it always does. Right. We're always oh, going to change. We're always going to grow. We're always going to, and it's like, this might just be the discomfort of the healing that I need. And it doesn't feel yes. like it right now, but it's going to be. And I just like always yes. hang on to that. And I think it's beautiful, the the vision that you provide and and the way that you express it. And yeah, it's just personally just completely hit home for like exactly what I've been kind of processing. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as well, what you're doing there is so beautiful as you're just, you know, you're just allowing things to arise one day and knowing it will pass and then as we work to master the mind whilst being okay with our emotions so allowing the emotions to arise and just feeling them loving them whilst like whilst cultivating the mind then what we have is we have then the two aspects of ourselves we have the aspect of ourselves that's had the worst day ever is like in the shower, just like, you know, feeling so down. And then the aspect of ourselves that smiles at ourselves and says, you know, the part of yourself that says this will pass. Mm-hmm. The training of the mind is the training of that, the voice that is this shall pass. Mm-hmm. And that's like almost like the father voice, you know, as the child weeps in the shower, nothing's as hard when you've got that observing mind. So that's so beautiful that you're cultivating that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always remind myself to that, that saying that's like pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Right. And it's, it is that mind that is creating that suffering and how can Mm. we separate us from that and just observe it. And, you know, sometimes it almost doesn't, it feels almost harder in that awareness. Right. Because it's like, you know, like, and we were kind of talking about human design before we pressed record but my authority, I'm not sure if you remember yours, but mine is emotional. And so I'm constantly on this wave of emotions. And so sometimes when I'm in this low, I have to remind myself, it's just energy. It's just mechanics. It's just where I'm sitting and I don't have to attach it to someone or something that's happened. Right. I can just allow it to be because I believe, you know, spirit speaks to us through our emotions, but our mind clings to it. And then it becomes this like massive thing that is so much more than it needed to be. Absolutely. Like the mind can just perpetuate and run a story. Like 
And you just have to see it in animals, you know, when animals, Mm. when a dog has a fight and the dog is so charged, the dog is just like fully in its rage, just like, and then when he's done with the fight, he does this big shake and he's like fully present back to tail wagging, like back to eating his food. He's not running a story about the fight, staying all angry all day, Mm. you know? So like that rate, we have the primal emotion, the emotion that couldn't, couldn't, that has to arise. It has to arise as a response to a situation. But then we can feel the emotion, be present with it, love it, just allow it. And if we're not running a story, it will just pass. But then the interesting thing is that the more open we get, the more advanced we get in our in our uh, evolution of our consciousness, the more we're processing emotions for each other and for the collective who cannot. So the more open I've gotten probably the more open you've gotten um I will have a true emotional response and there's nothing that has happened in my day apart from just like a vision has come in and it's like it might feel dark and I just feel this heaviness this density and I know I've just got to be with it I've got to sit I've got to allow myself to feel it without any story around whose it is or why and just feel it and love it because what is coming, um, what is coming into our bodies more and more is all that isn't all that is unloved and ready to be loved, whether that's ours, whether that's our ancestors, um, whether that's our future descendants or just the collective people we don't know, all that is ready to be loved and healed is is coming to the surface to be loved and healed. And if you're an open conjurer has who has the capacity to love and feel your emotions with ease, then you're gonna be given that opportunity over and over again. And it's a gift for you as well as the as the collective, because as you're healing and loving your whatever emotions are there, you're creating more space to expand within your own body as well. And you're receiving an upgrade, I suppose, in every time you feel that and allow it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's beyond even our own experiences, what what's there to be healed. And that's why it's so important to not have a story, because it's never mm-hmm. going to make sense. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I try and remind myself too, when I'm in these like feelings, whatever they are, that it's like, I did choose to come here to experience this. Right. And I, and I'm just, even whatever my mind is telling me, I just kind of, sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that I can experience this. Right. I'm so grateful that I can feel it because yeah, it may be painful, but it's, there's also beauty in there too. And if we can like stop and look at it and, and whether it's put it into like a painting or write a poem, you know, there is, we can like bring these beautiful aspects out of it. And like you said, whether it's ours or ancestors or future, you know, like the collective, like, yeah, we are just, we are experiencing it for, for what it is. And yeah, I love the, the story about the dog because it's, it's, (laughs) we, I feel like we though are taught so young not to feel. And so I think like, when I think of like my pain, it's always sitting right here. Right. And when I walk with it throughout the day and it continues to sit there, it's because I'm not fully processing. Right. And I have to go through my day and I have to go to work and I have to do the kids. And I'm just not like, it's like, I have to like make time right to like, now I can go sit and do with it. But it's like, if I had just done it in the moment in whatever way that looks like. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think we're just, we're, a lot of us are taught especially those that are like, that are very empathetic and feeling it highly sensitive. Right. Then when we're children, I know I was told I was too sensitive. Don't be like that. Why, why do you always have to, you know, everybody's got to walk on eggshells around you. And so you just create this, this like shame around it. 
And I, yeah. you know, I think it's just really powerful to like, actually just stop, breathe and yeah. feel it. Breathe and feel it. Yeah, that's it. And the the better you get, the more often you do this, the, the easier it is to transmute these energies. Mm-hmm. Like at the start, when you stop and feel your emotions and feel your body and you've never done it before, you might be in that for a year on and off, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you give yourself permission, you might be in that for a while and it's going to be the most beautiful, as you say, the most beautiful opportunity to get to know yourself. Because the more you get to know your your shadow pieces, the pieces that have lingered in the dark, the more you get to know your light pieces, your your spaces of glory and unexplored potential. So every time we have an opportunity to explore a little shadow piece, no matter how big or small it is, there's an opportunity for ex- divine expansion. And the more you practice that, like for you now, as you get that little thing in your heart and you have to go through the day and not not feel it, like you could probably feel it just sitting on the toilet, you know. Mm, <laughs> you could just yeah. take five minutes sitting on the toilet and 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 love that feeling as though it's a child, mm. as though there's an unloved child within your heart that's been crying for your attention and you just feel your heart and you allow yourself just for five minutes to be there fully without judgment, without trying to move that energy, just loving it as a child. And you just spend five minutes sitting on the toilet, loving it. Mm-hmm. It will, it will just trans. it will transform like a child. Mm-hmm. If a child is having a tantrum, I have a three-year-old. So yeah, <laughs> if a child is having a tantrum and you try and try and remove the tantrum, the tantrum will get bigger. Mm. If you just observe the tantrum, just observe it. And then when the tantrum is finished, you know, there's love there just waiting. Mm-hmm. Then the, the child is back to normal, back to, you know, happy playing with blocks. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, like I think as well with like loving and, and processing our emotions, I don't think we need to make it into this like um, very complex and lengthy experience. Like it's something we can do all the time. Like when you're, when you're riding on the bus home from work, you know, just close your eyes and just feel what's there and just like, just love, just love that which you haven't been able to acknowledge for the day. And just in that, there's going to be so much opportunity for healing and growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like you say, like that, that feeling, I carry it all day, right? It doesn't actually go anywhere. So yeah, just taking that mm-hmm. time to actually sit there and just be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see this. I'm going to feel this. And you know, even yeah. if you cry, because I think that's the other thing too. It's like, if I go to the bathroom and cry and come back and everyone's, you know, right. It's always like, Oh my gosh, you okay. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. It's it. funny that um, like societal, like um, response to crying. Mm-hmm. When I first, uh, when I first was with my husband, you know, I cry a lot because I'm constantly feeling like allowing mm-hmm. myself to feel and at the start, he was, you know, he kept making it about him. Like, mm. what have I done? And I'd be like, I had to have a serious word with him, you know, like, not everything is about you, babe. I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling, I just feel, you know, mm-hmm. just love me and witness me as I feel. Yeah. And he gets the message pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when I went to therapy, I went for a few years and my therapist, whenever we were in group therapy, she always said, if somebody cries, like before we started, but she would be like, if somebody cries, please do not pass them a tissue because tears are welcome. And when we pass somebody a tissue, we're telling them to stop. And I was yeah. like, I had never thought of it that way ever. 
And now every single time I see a tissue, I think about that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's true. Right. Cause we're just like, here, wipe up your tears. Be done. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah. do we need to, unless somebody, you know, unless somebody said, can I please have a tissue? And then we would pass it. But other than that, yeah, we were, that yeah, was just like kind just, of one of the rules of the setting. And I just thought it was so beautiful and so powerful. It's just something that I always think about. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Mm. It's funny. Like, um, <laughs> in my energy work sessions, um, you know, tears are always flowing, but that people have have held so much in for so long, usually so much more than tears wants to flow. You know, people mm-hmm. start coughing things up and things that have just sat so dormant. A couple of weeks ago, someone actually like vomited. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a response to all that had been suppressed for so long. And it's like if we truly allowed ourselves to let flow what needed to flow from what had been suppressed for so long, it would be so far beyond tears, the 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 actual intensity of the purge. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, humanity needs like a major up-leveling in its ability to hold space for one another. Oh, yeah. The very first time I did any sort of energy work, I remember, I, I mean, I had never experienced my complete body. It felt like it was like taken over. Like I was shaking and I was crying and it was just like, I felt so much rage and I was like afraid of it in the moment. I was like, I can't like my kids were sleeping in the other, you know, and I, I was just like, I had to like stop the session because I just was like, I don't know where this is going. There's so much there. So I have, I like have since gone back through with like breath work and kind of gotten to that point again and just like slowly. But I wonder too, if I just had, a, had time to just like really fully release what that would have looked you know what it would have looked like and what I've would have felt like after that specific session but like yeah my very first experience I mean it is scary right just knowing you have so much that needs to come up in whatever way that comes up and I know everybody experiences differently but it's like lifetimes of suppressed emotions and it just makes you sick yeah it's the uh it's that primal rage of a suppressed humanity Mm. like it's so it's so powerful and like, if you get the opportunity soon to just allow yourself to feel that rage that is so beyond just yours mm-hmm. and to see how it wants to come out of your body through what sound, through what movement with your body as you let rip onto your pillow or whatever, yeah, it's going to be the most liberating thing. Mm-hmm. And I think rage, we have, we have more, we shame rage more than we do sadness, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like rage isn't welcome. And I think that it's, it's more deeply suppressed. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of rage can be misdirected. Right. And I think of we, course. a lot of us experience it in that way. And so it just be, and then it becomes, you know, trauma, but I do, I had a one moment where I, I had a bat and I like was took it to my bed and I was like screaming and I like punched my wall and I don't like do that ever. I like had bruised my hand or whatever, but the, I felt so free after that right? It was just like yeah. that, like kind of release in whatever way. And I was, I wasn't, I was in my room. So I was in a safe space, you know, but yeah, it was really powerful. Yeah. I think, um, with what we've been through as a collective over the last couple of years as well, you know, there's been a lot of taking away of freedom, inability to express our truth and, um, and a lot of kind of making small, making, um, the collective voice unheard and the the rage that is there to be processed it is a true primal rage mm. and if if your listeners ever feel that that but that that boiling up you know it could be triggered by the smallest thing 
some like my time where I get triggered is if I'm cooking dinner I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old and you know it's like witching hour everything's falling apart it's like can I just have a bit of space to cook Mm -hmm. this dinner you know and I can feel that and it's like a shaking that's that's that shaking feeling of that rage that wants to come up and you just remove yourself because it's very easy then to project, project onto children, to project onto your partners, and it's not their fault. You remove yourself and go into your bedroom and you just breathe into where it is that you're feeling it. And you give it some sound and you allow your throat to sound out what's there. And you allow your your whatever movement wants to come like onto the pillow with no one there, no one's receiving it, then you're clearing it. You're clearing that energy and giving it a space for it to flow. Because if it doesn't have a space for flow, it's going to come out in your words and in your the way you parent and in the way you interact with your partner. And if you can find a way to healthily express your emotions as they arise, then you're you know, if you're if your listeners are parents, your children are going to grow up witnessing that. They're going to witness. Okay, so when I get mad. Um, I can I can release that that anger without any judgment and without anyone being hurt or sad and they're going to see that and what a beautiful transmission that is but usually we are too trying to be the perfect person trying to be the perfect mum that we're not allowed to feel rage and so it just sits there in our shaking hands and comes out in our snappy words mm-hmm. and it's you know it's not fair so if we can reprogram and rewire ourselves to to process as 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 emotion and energy arises to process healthily um without projecting as and when as and when it's there we're going to like literally transform the world like within one generation mm-hmm. because as you say like most people associate rage with a, a, an unhealthy projected rage mm-hmm. and experience trauma as a result of that and we could shift that yeah and it's just what's been passed on Right. I mean, I catch myself sometimes reacting in ways that I was reacted to as a child and I catch myself and I'm like, no, I, I want to rewrite this story. Like, this is not how I want to project outwards, but I know. And and even if you sit there, even if you're feeling like you explained it and I know full well how frustrating that can be, right. Like being in that environment, you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't even think like questions coming from here and here. And I'm trying to do something, but even if you're sitting there with a smile, right. They're still going to feel it. Because our energy yeah. speaks loudly too. So yeah. I, I, I love that that tool to just kind of like take yourself away and however you can get it out, just yeah. like process it. And and that, yeah, sorry, Rochelle. Oh, I was just going to say, my son is six and I, I, I see a lot of anger that comes up or frustration, right? And so I just, I always tell him like, it is okay to be angry, right? It's what we do yeah. with it. So, you know, I witness people t- sometimes tell him, oh, you're acting like this, go in the other room, right? And I'm just like, no. And I will go to him and I'm like, it's okay. It's okay to feel yeah. anger. It's okay to feel sadness. It's okay to feel pain. Whatever you're feeling is okay. Yeah. So. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's a really, especially for young, young boys, you know, mm-hmm. so it's so important for, for young men. Mm-hmm. And um, I love what you said about how, if you're smiling as you're feeling that anger, it's kind of dissolves it a little bit. And it's, it's like that higher mind. The power of the higher mind is just incredible because if the higher mind isn't is isn't there, then the emotion, the rage is all that is there in that moment where you're cooking dinner. Mm. But if your higher mind is there and you're observing, 
you're observing like your body, how it's responding to the situation and you're observing and you can kind of smile and take like a helicopter view and just think, well, that's, this is intense and just have a little giggle. It kind of dissolves the frustration anyway. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And the universe, universe has a sense of humor. If I ever forget, totally. it reminds me real quick. <laughs> it's like, just calm down. Lo- yeah, it absolutely <laughs> does. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would love to shift and talk about your book. So you have a book coming out. Um, I would love for you to just like talk a little bit about it. It's called the keepers of the light codes. Yeah. So can you explain what the light codes are? Yeah, sure. So yeah, it's coming out on the 1st of October and I am so excited and also very nervous because my channeling has always been quite like an intimate thing um, that I just share with maybe one-on-one or so, so me just taking all these channeled lessons and putting them into a book and and showing sharing them with the world is like a real revealing of this like intimate part of my of my connection to spirit but um the light codes are, are that which anoints us into our purity into our truth as conscious living be breathing earth beings it's quite simple really and everything that we've kind of spoke about throughout this chat you know, when you've got your commitment to your your divine vision, you're observing your emotional body, you're you're just committing to your like a life of of a life of love and truth and purity and forgiveness, where life is easy and abundant, right? So just imagine this life. This is really as human existence is intended to be, and this is the human existence that we are returning to. So as the earth changes, there's an undoing. There's a reprogramming so that so that the earth can be reborn. So as the earth is reborn, humanity must be reborn. And the keepers of the light codes are, are, are us. <laughs> they're, the, they're the earth beings who have who have received those codes, who have received the codes to, to put down their perpetual addiction to suffering to open their heart and to step into selfless service and to step into their commitment to their connection to spirit and just to allow that life to unfold naturally and divinely. And it sounds quite holy and pure and everything, (laughs) but um, the reason that this book came through now or or when it did is because we're, we're ready for this humanity are ready for this like look at your podcast like Rochelle the the work that you've been doing to help people to get to this point look at the work so many of us been doing as you say breathwork journeys like medicine journeys like 10 years 20 years just like this deep deep work when does the work end when does the journey end is there a turning point where we can change the way we view our connection to spirit and our connection to our healing and from what I've channeled, the answer is yes. Like it ends, it can end now. It can end now. And you can step into a new frequency, a new energy where you claim your wholeness and your completeness. And you just emanate the truth of who you are and just allow life to unfold from that truth. So it's it's a book that is like, I think, just ahead of its time because so many of us would question whether we're ready for that. But it's here because we are ready for that. Mm. We are ready for that. And it's time to start shifting 
the way we look at our healing journey because journey is point A to point B through linear time. Linear time isn't the true nature of this existence. So therefore, the journey through linear time that is our healing isn't the true nature of our healing. We're healed. Mm. We're healed. And if we can tap into that observer mind and just see ourselves as that healed and complete being who can love and transmute whatever is there as it arises, then what work is there to do? Nothing but be and love and enjoy. Mm. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so it's, as I channeled it, as I have reread it, I've been super challenged by it, which is interesting. It's like I'm like, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know about that. Oh, we're not ready for that. We've got to do this and this. And it's like it's so simple. The message is so simple. So there's nine lessons and there's 28 initiations. And each of them work energetically on an aspect of that, of that um, truth that we will not allow to be true within our body, within our mind, within our stories, within our traumas. So it's like a, it's like an energy work. It's like a channeled energy work, right? That each lesson, each initiation is like, is working on the, working on the body. I'm peeling, I'm peeling what's stuck so we can step into our wholeness as human beings who are ready to live and work and breathe in an ascended earth paradigm. Yeah. <laughs> that's the book and we all have this within us of course yeah. <laughs> yeah. of course and like good and bad is an illusion every single person on planet earth and beyond every single being from the vastness of the cosmos is an aspect of the divine and when you see that, you can see the perfection of everything that's playing out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's only the separation from our light that keeps us from remembering our, our true, our true greatness. Yeah. I just wrote, uh, this, this evening, um, but I had, I was just processing through writing and that was something that came up for me. It's just, we, we don't, it's so sometimes when we feel it's so hard to see that this is perfect as it is, right? This is part of the journey and, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I think that's so beautiful yeah. and, and, you know, talking about upgrades. And I think, I don't know if you've received a sort of timeline, human design talks about 2027, a shift I've spoken to, you know, energy healers, intuitives that have see between now and, you know, 2028. 2030, these like big shifts that are, that are happening. And even yeah. if you look at astrology, there are some transits that are happening that haven't happened for hundreds, if not ever before, you know? And so there is something massive happening right now. And like you yeah. said, so many of us are waking up to it and it's a matter yes. of, you know, just, I mean, I know I don't, I don't watch the news. I follow things that inspire me. So I see it all day. Right. And these are also my beautiful reminders when I'm feeling my emotions. I know that I have access to something that will lift me up and inspire me and bring my energy up. But yeah, I think if we just, if we look for it, it is there. Yeah, sure. it's there. And um, when this all started, when the world started to really change all of a sudden in 2020, I was like channeling a lot because I was like, what is going on? 
And uh, the words came through to me like a transition portal, a transition portal um, that would either be four or seven years. So that aligns with those dates Mm -hmm. that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And what is meant by that is that nothing is permanent and everything is, is very, very temporary as what has been put in place for thousands of years maybe maybe hundreds of thousands i don't know is 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 picked up shaken off and put back down so we're seeing such rapid transformation in the in the physical reality in society that it's like it's very unsettling because we see things coming and it's like is that permanent and i don't believe that anything now is permanent and that's including within our own beings. We are being transformed on at such a rapid rate to be the beings that we need to be to live in, in, a, in a, a more beautiful reality. So everything that is not, everything that is in the shadows is coming up. Everything that is within our own shadows, our own unloved aspects, everything is coming up. So we are going to be healing ourselves more deeply than we ever have before but it's not going to last like just as the earth is in a transition portal a transition period I believe that we are at the same time just moving through things at such a a rapid rate everybody that I know it's like I've changed so much in two years I don't know anyone who's on this path that says they haven't had the biggest upgrade that they've ever had in the last two years and also anyone that's like committed to their truth, like life is getting better when you switch off the TV and you switch off even the alternative media apps and you look around, what do you see with your own two eyes? Life is getting better. We are upgrading. We're experiencing actually reality at a different frequency. We're all more telepathic. We're, we're more connected. We're more intuitive than ever before. And it's because we're rapidly doing this work on ourselves. And it's pretty tiring. It's pretty intense, but we've got to we've got to understand the bigger picture here and just allow, allow, allow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's beautiful too. As we are recording this, August eighth, so Lionsgate Portal is today, so mm-hmm. it's all open. And then astrology too. You know, you talk about just all of these like shadows coming up. Every single outer planet, so Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus. And Pluto, Chiron too, are all in retrograde. So that energy that is usually projected outwards in our external world is now turned inwards. And it's bringing so much to the surface. I know I've been feeling it. Like you said, in the last two years, gosh, if I look back to 2019, I'm not even close to being the same person. Like it's wild. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I love when you tell me about the astrology because I know nothing about astrology. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I'm just channeling and receiving information. And like when it's relating to these amazing, um, these amazing magical sciences, Mm. it's like everything lines up. Yeah. I love it too. I love when I, when I speak to energy healers and energy workers and intuitives and things that, and a lot are just not into or have no knowledge of astrology. And I feel for me, I'm so drawn to astrology and human design. And I, at first I was kind of a little, um, I had a little shadow about it. Right. Where I was like, why, why can't I receive messages in this way? But then I've realized my way of receiving it may be through the, the, the cosmos or looking through astrology and human design. So I've learned to yeah. accept that maybe that's where, where I'm receiving it, but I just think it is, it is so beautiful how it aligns so much. And you're describing it in a way without knowing the planets, right? Like the planets are speaking to you without speaking to you on a piece of paper. 
right? Yeah. And so I just think yeah. it's it's just it's so beautiful. Yeah, and you are tapping into your intuition via those sciences. Like wherever we're resonant, that's our intuitive line. Like um, I know um, quite a few people who are so connected to music and then songs are speaking to them in such a deep way. It's like if we look at how others are receiving their intuitive messages, what we're getting is never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. But if we follow what is speaking to us and we dive into that connection, that's where we really open in our innate intuitive capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I was reading the book Conversations with God. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or have read it, but there's a there's a part where he talks about he's like, you know, when you speak to God, pay attention to everything that comes in, the people you talk to, the things that come up on your even if it's social media, right? The the things that come up, the things that are on the TV, that just everything is a response, but we just so often, like you said, we look at, maybe I would look at the way you channel and yeah, have find that shadow. We're like, well, I don't receive it in that way. So I must not be receiving it at all, but it's like, no, that's so we have our own power and we're so unique, right. In that way. And we receive it so differently, but we're receiving the same message, right. It's the same thing just received differently. And when I was able to let that go, that empowered me so much more with what I, you know, because astrology and human design, I'm so beyond passionate about it. Right. And that's what speaks to me. And so that's okay. Right. Like that's so, yeah. Love that. And it's like the biggest, um, the biggest thing that really puts a dampener on our intuition is like a lack of gratitude and the the lack of trust in what we're getting. Mm -hmm. So it's like a spiral, right? Once we tap into like, oh my God, I, I, I got this little message. Oh, thank you so much. And I trust this message. Then we're in this like upward spiral and then the messages get bigger and stronger. And then our gratitude and our trust just increases and increases. But then when we get like, um, you know, something so small, um, like the other day I was, I was sitting, um, sitting where I'm sitting now and I was trying to connect and, and channel in the normal way. And like, I just, it was nothing was coming through. I was like, and then I had this like beautiful bird song, just reminding me to just like enjoy life. I feel come back mm-hmm. into the here and the now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, thank you. You know, but if I would have like focused on, Oh, this isn't coming through. Then I go in this downward spiral where it's like not having gratitude for what's there not trusting what's there. And that's what closes us off so much. The moment you just, as you say from that book, open to just hear and see everything and then dive into it, like get excited by it. That's that gratitude. Mm-hmm. And it will, yeah, intuition then with what, however it's coming through starts to just really, really go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really powerful. I start my morning every single morning journaling gratitude. And like I said, yeah. even when I'm in emotional lows, I just try and be grateful that I get that I'm here feeling, you know, because I could yeah. not be. And so it is, it's easy to forget that, but then it is, it is really, really powerful. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's so simple as well. And gratitude is just, it's the highest, it's the highest state of emotion, I believe. Mm. And it's funny when we, um, it's funny when we are trying to find connection to spirit and have this divine spiritual experience and forget about life and gratitude. <laughs> so for example, like as a mother, it's so easy to want to have this, like, go have a bit of quiet time, have a meditation, and it's like you can get this like energy that's like resentment and closed off and it's like, you know, and it's it's the most unconnected energy that you could ever experience. Whereas if you just let it go, just go lay on the ground, just let the kids kind of cr- crawl all over you mm-hmm. and just relax. Mm-hmm. And then you can have a little smile and then there's this like 
this expansion and like gratitude is is connection gratitude is connection to god mm-hmm. there have been so many times in meditation where i'll hear my kids in the other room and i get frustrated for a moment and then i literally just hear this voice and it's just so loving it's like go go be with them yeah. Like, cause I don't have to be so, I have to meditate for 20 minutes right now. Nobody can interrupt me. It's like defeats the purpose. Right. <laughs> so. and, and this, the spiritual practices, they're not meant to be permanent. I don't believe they're the tools. They're mm-hmm. the techniques that teach us how to make life the spiritual practice. And this is like what the book speaks about. It's like, we're ready now to learn the next layer, the next level of integration where we're not having like a spiritual practice and then life. It's like where we're learning to merge and find the divine connection in the most mundane activities because that is what we're here to experience. We're here to experience God in the human reality, not when our eyes are closed only. You know, mm-hmm. and I think so many of us are having that lesson now. Say we've been meditating and doing all this work for probably years, or, or or even decades, and then it comes a point. It's like, okay, these tools have given you enough now. Now it's time to integrate. What can you do and feel the divine in in the, the simplest of moments, like when you're eating your dinner, when you're playing with your kids, and you're going for a walk. Like it's all it's all God. It's mm-hmm. all God, and we. The moment we separate the spiritual practice from life, we are we're disconnecting ourselves from God mm-hmm. or the divine or the universe or whatever. Yeah. And if we can be in those moments, we are meditating. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. And I, I got this lesson really, really rapidly, like uh through my my pregnancies. So the girls are three and one, so they're pretty close together. And I used to have such attachment to my spiritual practice, like a need, a deep need. So, um, you know, I, I, I've had so much discipline for so many years around the things that I would do, the different breathwork practices and yoga and, you know, meditation, like extensive. And then one child came and it's like, okay, I can try and squeeze some in. And then I was getting that resentment, like, oh, where's my spirituality? Mm. And then I was pregnant again with the like 18 month old. And then it's like, okay, it's not happening. I got to let it go. I got to let it go. And I got to just reconnect. And I, this is when I feel I, I advanced so much in my consciousness and my understanding of why we're here and who we are. When I just learned to just let it all go and just be. And I saw my children, I saw my little toddler so differently like my, my, my observation and admiration of her became my spiritual practice. Um, like my making and drinking of my coffee, it's like, just became like almost ritualistic. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I just enjoyed it so much My going out with girlfriends and conversations and it just life started to just become it. And now I don't really meditate at all. But I do enjoy quiet because quiet is where what allows me to reconnect to that inner voice. So it's just like laying on the couch. Like we don't have a TV, so it's just like laying on the couch and um, just closing my eyes and just breathing. It's like oh, I'm not trying to like resist the sounds around me. I'm not trying to resist life. Like I'm, I'm here, and that's where I'm getting my most profound channeling is just being so here. Mm. 
It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I resonate so strongly with that. And I just try and yeah, I remind myself of that. Like, I don't have to like necessarily sit in meditation. Yeah. I'm five, six years into meditating and in some days that's no easier than it was in the beginning. Right. But it's like, but yeah. it's evolving and integrating. And yeah, I think that's so powerful and so beautiful. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight and your energy. It's been so beautiful. And I know the listeners are going to get so much out of this. I feel like this was exactly what I needed tonight. Um, I just, this is why I love the podcast and connecting with people and sharing stories and sharing tools just to like exactly for what we talked about, right? Like regulating emotions and just trusting ourselves and all those things. So where can people find you? Where can they get the book? Mm -hmm. Um, Anything, any last words you'd like to leave them with? Yeah, um, I've enjoyed this so much. I actually, as you just closed in, I was like, oh, yeah, we're on a podcast. <laughs> I just felt like I was out for a coffee with you. It was so <laughs> nice. And um, yeah, so right now, um, if you go to my website, rhiannonhines.com or go to my Instagram, rhiannonhines, you can um, you can just register to be the first to know about the book launch, which is on the 1st of October. Or you can work with me um, in my, my channeled energy work practitioner training. So right now I'm training um, healers and aspiring healers how to really take their energy work to the next level through my channel processes and through my teaching of the, the ability to channel. So you, if you want to train with me, you can find out all about that by my Instagram and my website as well. Amazing. Well, I will have everything in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation and sharing all of this with, with the listeners of the podcast. It's been, uh, wonderful. It's been so fun. Thank you so, so much of for course. having me. You're welcome.